We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, September the 10th, 2020. On today's show, we conclude the TSUS season preview series today. I'm giving the specialists some love. We're talking Gamecocks special teams heading into 2020 football season. I'll break down looking back at 2019, the key departures, key returners, top storylines, why they'll be better, why they'll be worse. Season will be successful if I'll give my prediction for the 2020 unit and much, much more there. Also, news and notes, your listener questions, and we have a fantastic conversation. A guy that I feel blessed to call a friend of mine, Mike Gillespie of ABC Columbia. He's the sports director at ABC Columbia. Does a fantastic job in the local Columbia, South Carolina market. I'll talk to him about everything from his career in media, being a UF alum, uh, Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, Urban Meyer, the Gamecocks 2020 football season, the whole COVID-19 pandemic, much, much more as we dive into everything here on a Thursday afternoon. Sit back, relax, enjoy, folks. It is all brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, it's summertime. Summer is winding down. We're getting into fall at MyBookie. That can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more at MyBookie. Winning season is all about your chance to win big. Guys, you can bet everything at MyBookie. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, college football, NFL. College football really getting going this weekend. You want to get some bets in, go ahead and do it. The craziest sports time of your life is here, guys. It's really simple. Just make your picks, win big, and collect your cash. The TSUS listeners, you guys are the smartest fans in the world. We all know that. Invest in that intuition, guys. You're all really smart. Use that big brain. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Go to MyBookie.ag. That's MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code GAMECOCK. So it's really simple. MyBookie.ag. Promo code GAMECOCKS and double your first deposit. Guys, new players get up to $1,000 in free play. So, guys, if you go to mybookie.ag, use promo code GAMECOCKS. You put in 1000 they're going to give you 1000 They're going to match it, give you 1000 in free play. It's a win-win. You put in 500 they'll give you 500 You put in 250 they'll give you 250 It is a win-win, guys. You cannot lose in this scenario. It's designed to add excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Again, guys, mybookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks. That's mybookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie. Let's get it.
Welcome in. Happy Thursday. I'm Chris Phillips, host of Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show. We're wrapping up the TSUS season preview series, as I mentioned in the beginning. Talking the Gamecock special teams again. I hope you all are having a fantastic day. I know I am. Very excited. Guys, guess what? Football is on TV tonight once again. You know, it's funny. I heard the guys over at Saturday Down South say this, because, listen, I've been talking with them. Obviously, we had Connor O'Gara. We had Chris Marlowe on the show. They made a great point, and I agree, guys, and I want to share it with you. It's so funny, and I feel like we kind of deserve this. It feels like we're getting, like, multiple starts to football season, if you will. You know what I mean? Like, we had the first weekend of the first game, which was an FCS game. Then we had our first FBS games last week, and now we have our first Power 5 games this weekend with the ACC. Tonight, we have our first NFL game. This is the first NFL weekend. Then we're going to have our first SEC weekend. It's like football is, like, starting – multiple weekends you know what I mean it's like happening multiple times and I love it I, I love it I'm excited I'm pumped again Chiefs Texans tonight you got Miami UAB we've got football all weekend and we are just 16 days away from a Gamecocks kickoff at Williams-Brice Stadium I'm very very excited appreciate you guys tuning in again we got a lot to get to as we wrap up the TSUS season preview series and I'm just in a fantastic mood I'm in a fantastic mood I, I, I'm elated to be talking to you guys I'm elated the football is back I, I'm just I'm just happy I'm just happy just Spread some joy today, right? It's a Thursday. It's almost Friday. For some of you, it might be Friday. This was a short week anyways. Spread some joy. Spread some cheer. Smile at somebody. Say whatever. Say, hey, just be happy today. Why not, right? Inject some positivity. Um, before we get into everything, a couple of housekeeping items as always. For those that have done so, thank you so much. But if you have not done so, be sure to rate and subscribe. Go leave five stars. Leave your thoughts, your feedback, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it may be. We hit 300 reviews last week, obviously, which fantastic. Very nice job, guys. Let's get to 400. Just take five seconds out of your day. If you haven't done so, take five seconds. It helps me out tremendously. It helps boost up the podcast. Maybe those that have not heard of it, take five seconds, leave five stars. Even if there's things you like, things you don't like, whatever you want to see more of, less of, go ahead and leave it there. Also, if you're not subscribed, guys, next week, next week is the last week of only Monday, Thursday shows. We'll have normal Monday, Thursday next week. And then the following week, it will be game week, and we will be going every single day, Monday through Friday, on the podcast, just like I did last season. Extremely excited for that because I love getting in that routine. I love just talking football. I love making content, obviously, as you guys know. But I'm very excited. You want to be sure you are subscribed at that point because you want to get those daily notifications. You want to get those notifications when the show drops. So make sure, guys, make sure you rate the show and make sure you're subscribed as well because if you're listening and you're not subscribed, I genuinely don't know what you're doing at this point. Also, one other thing, one other tidbit. I talked about this a little bit on Monday's show, but I think the Daily Crow is back. It's, it's kind of semi-back right now. You guys may have seen, seen I ran a, a, a test stream on Tuesday, ran another one last night as well. Um, I like the platform a lot. I think it's really useful. It's cool to be able to stream across Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube all at once. It's, it's really, really dope. You're able to put over the, – the platform is awesome. And I, I don't know what the future of Rowdy Rooster Radio is if I'll bring it back. But the whole point is, like I told you guys, we're experimenting with content. I will let you guys know, obviously. But I, I can guarantee you there's going to be some daily piece of content, whether it is the Daily Crow or whether it is Rowdy Rooster Radio, that's going to happen as we get to game week. So just to let you guys know if you've seen that, the Daily Crow is semi-back, might be fully back next week. We will see. But, uh, you know, just want to keep you guys know kind of where my head, head's at, what's going on right now. So, all right, let's dive into the meat of things. The TSUS season preview series concludes. And, hey, you might say we saved the best for last. We're talking Gamecock special teams. You, hey, look, you got to show the specialists some love, okay? 
punters and kickers are people too. You got to show the specialists some love. I'm really, really excited. Listen, I think as Gamecock fans, none of us should take for granted how important special teams is because when Debo Samuels at Carolina, South Carolina won some games because of special teams. So I'm excited to talk about it. There's a lot here. Let's first look back at 2019. 2019, I would say a pretty successful year for South Carolina specialists. And with the offense being as bad as it was, you had to use your specialists quite a bit, unfortunately. Parker White, by far his best year as a Gamecock, 18 for 22 on field goals. I thought a guy, when I talked about and broke down the kickers, and I broke down the specialist in my position in the previews. I thought the biggest thing with Parker White was he was put in really, really good positions to succeed. That was the biggest thing with Parker White. I think the coaching staff did a really good job of managing him, not asking him to do too much. They let him get off to a good start last year, build some confidence. And I really thought you saw that last season as a whole. Again, 18 for 22, very, very solid. He's a guy that has basically turned – basically turn into an automatic thing inside of 50 yards. You know, I, I think he's a guy that does have the leg to hit some over 50, but he's basically automatic under 50 yards. Again, I thought you saw the coaching staff do a really, really good job of managing him, not asking too much, letting him build some confidence, get in a groove, and I think it definitely paid off. The guy you have to mention when you're talking specialists and special teams in 2019, Joseph Charlton. I mean, I know it's not sexy necessarily to talk about a punter, but – School record for punting average at 45.5 yards per punt. He was second team All-SEC last year. Last year, guys, he averaged 47.7 yards per punt. Absolutely insane when you think about that. He had a long of 66, 27 punts over 50 yards, 28 punts inside the 20. This dude was an absolute machine for the Gamecocks. I know, by the way, he had like a Heisman moment when he juked out the dude at Texas A&M and ran for a first down. But no, seriously, Joseph Charlton was so valuable for a Gamecocks football team that struggled so mightily offensively. And you think for your defense to help them out, when you can flip the field, it is a very, very, very big deal for your team. It's, it's, it's a big deal. Special teams is a big part of the game. <clears throat> and Joseph Charlton was a weapon. Joseph Charlton was a weapon for the Gamecocks. So South Carolina going to miss him dearly as well. You take a look at the other special team stats in regards to punt returns, kick returns. Um, you do lose Brian Edwards, obviously, and we'll talk about him in just a second, but you lose Brian Edwards. Seven, he only had seven returns last year, which is kind of crazy, but seven returns, 125 yards, zero touchdowns, had a 17.9 yard average, which not bad, not bad. It's okay. Um, other guys that returned, Josh Van, Darius Rush, Xavier Leggett, uh, those guys factored in, but Brian Edwards was your main punt returner. And then kickoff returns, Shai Smith, 12 returns for 263 yards, 21.9 um, yards per return. Xavier Leggett had four for 113 for 28.2. And then you had other guys like Jamie Robinson really got in there, but it was mainly Shai Smith that was doing the returning. So when you take a look at that, I mean, again, a solid year for the Gamecocks on special teams. You didn't have any special teams touchdowns, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more in just a second. But you didn't have any special teams touchdowns. But I thought overall, especially when you look at what Parker White and Joseph Charlton did, you were very solid in that regard. Now, you talk about key departures, and I just mentioned them. Joseph Charlton and Brian Edwards, those are two big, big losses that you're going to have to replace. But you look at the key returners, you've got Parker White, Shai Smith, Xavier Leggett, who I think could factor in at the punt returner position, and then Jamie Robinson, who I also think could factor in at the punt return position and the kickoff return position. So, you still do have a pretty solid nucleus, a good core coming back, but you got to replace some big keys as well. Big, what did I just say? Big keys, big key pieces 
as well. And that's where I want to start. <clears throat> that's where I want to start as we dive into the top storylines for 2020. I want to start – the top storyline has to be Joseph Charlton and his departure. And you look right now what Joseph Charlton's doing in the NFL. Why he wasn't drafted, I guess it's because he's a punter, but th this dude was so slept on going through the NFL draft and just prof professional prospects. He just won the starting punting job with the Panthers. In case you're wanting, wondering if this dude is legit, he's legit. So how does South Carolina replace Joseph Charlton? Because, again, I, I, I know it's – some people might be tuning in this show like, oh, my God, we're talking special teams. Is it really worth it? It's not necessarily sexy to talk special teams. It's not sexy to talk punters especially. But for a team like South Carolina, especially in 2020, where – there are so many questions offensively. And you feel like you have a really strong defense. And I talked about one of the big keys to the defense is putting them in positions to be successful. You know, Lou Holtz used to say it. You want to end every possession with a kick, every single one, whether you're kicking an extra point, whether you're punting, whatever it may be, you want to end it in a kick, right? That's kind of the, the, the school of thinking when it comes to the game of football. I, it's, I'm not telling you guys any breaking news there. But on a team like this, where you have questions on offense and a strong defense, having a punter like Joseph Charlton, you can't undervalue how big of a deal that is. Having a weapon like that that can flip the field for you. You know, it's only going to help out your football team. It's going to help out your offense. It's going to help out your defense. And it makes a big deal. Obviously, you have Kai Kroger coming in. You have Mitch Jeter. You have guys that are going to compete for that starting job. I think asking the next guy to be like Joseph Charlton, again, the guy has the record for career punting average. He has the record for punting average at 45.5 yards per punt. Asking the next guy to be as good as him might be a little bit much, but South Carolina is so desperately, again, a team that is dealing with what it's dealing with, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You need to find a guy that's going to replace Joseph Charlton and be that weapon for you and be – be able to flip the field for this Gamecocks football team and put that defense in position to be successful and make big plays for you. Um, another top storyline. Talk about Parker White, obviously. You got to mention Parker White. He's been great for the Gamecocks. And his story is awesome. You know, when I, when, I, when I broke down kickers, I talked about it a little bit. His story is awesome, though. Former walk-on, a guy that, you know, struggled mightily in, in his first year. You know, he's a guy I, I picked – I picked him to not even be the starter his second season on campus. I thought he would get beat out. I thought, you know what, this guy's just not very good. Since then, Parker White has become very, very solid for South Carolina. Again, 18 for 22 last year. He returns for his senior year. And again, <clears throat> we're talking special teams here. For a South Carolina team that offensively, tons of questions, you're going, you might be relying on the leg of Parker White a lot this season. I mean, heck, he kicked 22 last year. So he basically averaged two per game. You might be relying on the leg of Parker White a lot last year. You might be relying on the leg of Parker White to win you some football games. You think about, I talked about, you know, before, the swing games are so important in this 2020 season. The swing games are so important. So it might come down to a field goal or two. It might come down to a game-winning field goal. We saw Parker White last year in Athens. I mean, it might come down to a kick to win it. So. Having a guy like Parker White, who is a senior, who's been in those battles, <clears throat> you know, he's kicked some game winners. Having a guy like that, you, you, can't, you can't speak enough on how valuable of a piece that is for this Gamecocks football team. Um, another big storyline, obviously, you lose Brian Edwards, which is a huge loss on the offensive side, but also the punt returner. Who replaces Brian Edwards as the lead punt returner? And listen, that, that's another big key position. I mean, 
Brian Edwards was back there. Was he the flashiest option? Absolutely not. Was he the biggest, you know, the most explosive option? Absolutely not. But I think what you saw in Brian Edwards, he was a sure-handed guy. He was going to avoid the mistake. He was going to avoid the, 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 the disaster, if you will. So who's going to be that next guy? You know, they talked about Shai Smith. They talked about Xavier Leggett. They talked about Jamie Robinson. I think the upside is there as far as you're going to have a more explosive player returning punts in 2020, but are you going to have that sure-handed guy? Are you going to have that guy? You need to make sure you've got a sure-handed option back there, whoever it may be, whoever's going to replace Brian Edwards. Because the worst thing that can happen to a team, any team, not just South Carolina, but the worst thing that can happen, you muff a punt, you fumble, you turn the football over. And again, this is a South Carolina team that it's going to, I really just truly believe South Carolina is going to have to win the turnover margin every, to, to get wins. There, I don't think you're going to see South Carolina win a game in which it loses the turnover margin. I don't think you're going to see that. So very, very key position, a, a key piece the Gamecocks have to replace in 2020. Another top storyline for me, and it kind of feeds into what I was just talking about with Brian Edwards, but is this the year that we see the return of explosive special teams play? Is this the, is this the year? Is 2020 the year that we see the return of, of these special teams being explosive and being a really big factor in the game? Um, because we all knew there was going to be a drop-off last year. I mean, you lose Debo Samuel. I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, Debo Samuel... Debo Samuel is, is who he is for a reason. It's not easy to replace a guy like that, for sure. But I'm just very curious. Again, I think you're going to get more, I, I hate to say athleticism, but more of that big play threat from the punt returner, no matter who it is. And then you do have Shy Smith returning kicks, but I think you have some other good options as well. <clears throat> do we finally see Gamecock special teams sort of get off the schneid, if you will, since the departure of Debo Samuel? Because, you know, before Debo Samuel – <clears throat> the Gamecocks had done nothing on special teams for like 10 years, 10, 15 years. Actually, I think it was Rashad Fenton that had the kickoff return 2015 against LSU. Before that, it was like 2002 was the last one. So lately, South Carolina has certainly been better on special teams, but I, I don't know about you guys. I don't want to wait another 13 years before we see another special teams touchdown or kickoff return or whatever. So I, I just wonder because, again, we all saw, all of us fans, we all saw – how big of a piece of the game it can be when you have a guy back there like a Debo Samuel that could that could just change the entire momentum of the game, could change the entire momentum of the game when he touches the football on special teams. So I just wonder, is this going to be the year that we see the return of those big-time, explosive, game-changing, momentum-changing type of plays return for South Carolina? Uh, my last top storyline. And something that I think really does get slept on, and I hope if you're, if you're someone that is, you know, God forbid any of the specialists on South Carolina's teams are listening, but maybe you're someone you're familiar with special teams or whatever it may be, I hope this brings a smile to your face that I'm even going to mention this because I don't think most people would. But one of the top storylines, like I mentioned, you return Parker White, but you realize he is the only holdover among snapper, holder, and returner. So you've got to replace your snapper and you've got to replace your holder. And if you don't think that's a big deal, you know nothing about special teams. That is a very big deal. That's a very big deal because a lot of times, listen, a kicker might miss a kick and it's not even his fault. It's a bad snap. It's a bad hold. The timing's not right. And I think we saw that a little bit. I think it was 2017, 
right? I think we saw that a little bit. I think that's one of the reasons Parker White struggled a few years ago was it was a brand new group of guys because this was after, uh, yeah, this was after Elliot Fry left. So I think you saw that a little bit. So I just wonder, I just wonder how that dynamic's going to work. And I think it should work out fine. South Carolina's got plenty of capable guys. I mean, you take a look down the list, uh, you know, Matthew Bailey, Max Derschlag, um, as far as these are your holders, long snappers, Luke Lynn. So those guys, I think they've got some solid options there. But I'll just be very interested. You cannot underestimate the chemistry of that group. That's very important. It's extremely important. So, you know, if you see Parker White struggling early this year, it may not totally be on him. You know, there's, there might be some chemistry issues. I don't think there will be. But that's just something that's got to be a top storyline going into the year. That's something you got to get figured out. And I'm sure they're doing that right now in fall camp, obviously, whatever, what have you. But kicking is just going to be so important for this team. It's going to be so important. South Carolina's not going to be a team that doesn't use its field goal kicker. South Carolina's not going to be a team that doesn't use its punter. You need both of them to be really, really well. You need both of them to be pluses for you. So that snap and that hold, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but that snap and that hold are way more important than you think, for sure. All right, let's dive into why they'll be better, why they'll be worse. Let's start with why they will be better. Why the Gamecock special teams, if they're better, why they'll be better in 2020. And I think it's really simple, and I already mentioned it. Having a veteran field goal kicker, I expect Parker White to only get better. I think he'll have his best year at South Carolina. I think he could be an all-SEC type of kicker. Um, so having him and having that veteran kicker in those big-time clutch situations – that is key for South Carolina this year. And then I mentioned earlier, I think another reason why they could be better, like I said, Brian Edwards, fantastic job returning punts. But like I said, he wasn't the most explosive option in the world, okay? He wasn't the most explosive option. I think having the opportunity to put a guy back there who maybe there's a little bit more risk, maybe he's not quite as sure-handed, maybe he's a little bit of a wild card, but having the chance for explosiveness at the punt returner position I think it helped this team tremendously, and you could see – maybe you see a punt return for a touchdown. Maybe we see that again this year. So I think that's the biggest reasons why this group could be better is just your veteran presence in Parker White and the chance, the opportunity for there to be an explosive, a truly explosive, explosive playmaker returning punts this year. Why they'll be worse, why the Gamecock special teams could be worse and will be worse if they are in 2020, and this one's really simple – you're just not able to replace Joseph Charlton. You're not able to flip the field the way you thought. Um, I, listen, I think they will, but, you know, this is just for the hypotheticals, just for the fun of the conversation. The void of Joseph Charlton. If you're not able to find that guy who can flip the field for you, and again, people take it for granted, but it helps the defense so much. It helps the defense so much. Um, playing the field position game, you know what I mean? Like I said, with, the, with Mike Bobo's offense and a strong defense, I mean, this is, this is a vintage style of football team, it feels like. They're going to play a field position type of game this year. So having that guy is pivotal if they're not able to replace what Joseph Charlton gave them last year, you know, it could trickle down and affect this team in a negative way for sure. All right, season will be successful if, and it goes back to what I was just talking about in the punting game, pretty simple because I expect Parker White to do well. I expect – you know, I expect the return game to hold its own. Will they get a touchdown? I'd like to say they will. We'll see. But the season will be successful if Kai Kroger fills in the void left in the punting game. This guy was ranked the number one punter in the country. Um, fantastic player from everything I'm hearing. He looks great in fall camp. The kid has a boot. As long as Kai Kroger 
really just plays up to his potential and everything we're hearing, like I said, I think the season will be successful for the specialist. Of all the position units and all the position groups, and we talk offense, we talk defense, we talk special teams, I think the special teams will hold their end of the bargain this year. And that gets me into my prediction for the 2020 unit. I do think the specialists are going to hold their end of the bargain this year. I think Parker White will have his best year as a Gamecock. I think he's an all-SEC caliber kicker. I do think Kai Kroger, because listen, they're going to use him a lot. They're going to use Kai Kroger a lot. I think Kai Kroger will fill in nicely again. You're the number one punter in the country for a reason. I think this dude should have a solid year. And I will go out on a limb and say, I do think the Gamecocks this year, they do get off the schneid and they do get a touchdown in special teams. Whether that's a kickoff return, whether that's a punt return, maybe that's a blocked punt, who knows. But I do think, I do think that South Carolina gets a touchdown in special teams. And like I said, I, I more than expect the special teams unit to hold up there into the bargain when it comes to the, the different position units. I, I think they're going to have a good year. So that is going to do it for the TSUS season preview series. Again, running through the specialists. You got to love talking about specialists, man. I, I love it. The special teams guys, they don't get the love they deserve. And if any of you are tuned in, and I know that you're not, but if you are, I appreciate everything you do. Gamecock Nation appreciates what you do. You got to show the specialists some love. So appreciate it. That's awesome. All right. Let's get news and notes. We got a ton of listener questions as well, and then we'll jump in this interview. Really only one quick thing as far as news and notes are concerned. In case you guys missed it, Brian Edwards named a starter for the Raiders, which is awesome. Just awesome stuff. It's really cool to see Brian Edwards, how his career has evolved. You know, a guy that definitely battled some adversity. And to see him as a starter for the Raiders – you know, it certainly speaks volumes to the type of player he is. I mean, I, I think we all knew he was a good player, but it speaks volumes to just how good of a player he is. And that Raiders offense, I think, I think Brian Edwards is going to have a big year. I think he's going to have a big, big, big rookie year. So, awesome stuff for Brian Edwards. Some other camp tidbits as well. Nothing really crazy happening this week. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more that comes out this weekend when the Gamecocks scrimmage at Williams-Brice Stadium Saturday. Um, but – Nothing really major to dive into, I would say. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll go ahead and get in these listener questions because there are some really, really good ones, and I want to dive into these. Let's first start – yeah, let's go ahead and start with these. Um, Hunter.Davenport.98. Hunter .davenport Thoughts on the accusations? And, of course, I'm glad you brought this up, honestly. Obviously, you guys, you guys heard it was not a lead topic. It was not even in my news and notes. The accusations with the players, the, the guy saying 13 football players jumped his son, whatever. I'll tell you guys this. I am waiting until all the facts come out to draw any sort of conclusion. It's a lot of he said, she said. You know, I, I just think you there, – there's no rush in trying to, you know, make some proclamation or, or, or give my opinion on something. It's like let's let all the facts come out. Let's let the investigation happen. You know, there's definitely some loose ends in this thing. There's some things that are very, very questionable, especially from the actions of the father of the player that supposedly was beaten up or whatever you want to call it. Um, so as far as the accusations are concerned, man, until – I'm just letting the investigation play out. I, I really am not going to give any strong opinion or really any opinion at all until that happens. I want to I see where things stand once we get all the facts. So – that's really my only take on it, man. Maybe that's not the most popular take, or maybe that's a boring take, but that, that's the one I'm going with. I just – I don't see the point in, you know, dragging this thing out and bringing it to light when it's a bunch of he said, she said, man. That's really all it is at this point. <clears throat> we'll let the investigation play out, and then we'll go from there. So, um, Davis 576 Holt, over under for made field goals this year. 
I think the over-under set at, let's see, 10 games. I'll say 15. I'll say 15. I think over is the best play, honestly. I think we're going to be kicking some field goals. Scott W. Lawson, your thoughts on the holding call on Markway last year and the fake field goal versus Bama. Is it fair? Um, kind of random, but great question. <sighs> is it fair? I guess it's fair. I, I, you know, dude, here's the thing. There's holding on every play. It's like the ref did not have to throw that flag. Is that probably holding? Yes. Am I salty he threw the flag? Yes. If the roles are reversed and Bama ran that, would they throw the flag on them? Probably not. That's what irks me a little bit about it. So, thank you, Scott, for getting me mad all over again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, if you can only pick one, would you rather upset A&M, Auburn, or LSU? A&M 100 times out of 100. I'm so sick of losing to Texas A&M. That's a streak that needs to end badly. Give me the A&M upset. I, I will gladly take that. Uh, Jordan Portillo, 93. Who is starting punt returner? What do you think of Doty on special teams? Starting punt returner, I, you know, I, I'm thinking probably Xavier Leggett. It seems like they really like him there. It's either going to be Leggett or Jamie Robinson, I think. Um, but I'm gonna, probably going to roll with Leggett right now. And then Doty on special teams. I mean, listen, I, you know, I don't want to see the guy get hurt, but he's a great athlete. He's a great athlete, and they want to get him on the field. And I mean, hey, I tip my cap to Luke Doty for being such a team guy, for being a guy that wants to do everything he can for the team. The kid just wants to get on the field, and that's admirable. That's admirable for sure. I just don't want to see him get hurt, but, hey, the more athletes you can get on the field, I guess the better. Trip underscore zero five, who do you think is most likely to return a kickoff punt this season? Like I said, um, like I said, I think Xavier Leggett's going to be your punt returner. I think kickoff returner, you're going to stick with Shy Smith most likely, and maybe – Probably Xavier get there with him. I would say those are going to be the main guys for you on special teams as far as returning is concerned. Uh, Christian Bowman, one underscore zero three. What do you think about Israel moving to safety? I mean, I, I don't dislike the move. I mean, the safety position has been such an area of weakness for this team. It's been such an area of weakness. I think the more quality bodies you can get back there, I, I just – I'm all for it. You know what I mean? I'm all for it because, like I said, this position has had so many problems. And the great thing is you've got a lot of guys, I think, in the secondary that are really, really versatile, that can, that can slide between corner and safety and nickel and all that. So, you know, if they want to put Izzy back at safety, I, I am totally fine with it. I am totally fine with it. Just get the best guys on the field. Just get the best players on the field. That's all I ask. Um, Capped underscore way would have taken a noon kickoff on the sun and nosebleeds to watch Carolina play Saturday. Yeah, I agree. Um, talking about this past Saturday, I guess with with uh, South Carolina should have been playing Coastal Carolina. Nah, man, I agree. I agree, one hundred ten percent. I would have loved it, but hey, at least we're getting football in sixteen days, man. At least we're getting kickoff. Um, we got another question, Adam Mikulski. I hope I'm saying that right. Adam Mikulski says, "What do you think the DB situation will be like? More specifically, the safeties because Jamie and RJ are so similar and play like strong safeties." Do you think we should try to play with both of them at safety and possibly get beat over a over top a lot or move Cam Izzy or a range guy like them to free safety and keep Jammy at nickel? Like I said, I just want the best guys on the field. I don't really care who they are. I, I love I love the the attitude we have at the back end of the defense. You know, Jammy, you talk about a guy like RJ Roderick, you talk about a guy like Izzy. I love that we've got some nasty guys back there. I do like that, some hard-hitting safeties. Like I said, I don't really have a preference. I mean, I'd love to tell you I do, but just get the best players on the field. I Just get the best players on the field. You have a fantastic secondary. Your secondary 
is loaded with NFL guys. It's loaded with NFL guys. There's no reason we cannot get the best players on the field. So get them on the field. I have no preference who plays. Just get the best possible options out there. Um, I'm just checking here. Let's see. Okay, that's going to do it for all the listener questions, guys. Appreciate you all for being interactive. Appreciate you guys leaving the questions. Now, have a fantastic conversation. Again, somebody I'm very blessed to call a friend, somebody who does a fantastic job here in the, the local Columbia, South Carolina market. We had Mike Yuval on a few weeks ago. Now we have Mike Gillespie of ABC Columbia. He is the sports director over at ABC Columbia. Again, he does a fantastic job. They do a great job at ABC Columbia. So sit back, relax, enjoy, guys. Enjoy the conversation. It's all brought to you by our friends once again at MyBookie, guys. Again, football season's quickly approaching. MyBookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At MyBookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Guys, bet anything. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, college football, NFL. If you need a book, by the way, if you need a book to bet on, like if you're going into this weekend of games and you need a book to bet on, you'd be crazy for not opening a MyBookie account. You'd be crazy not to do it. There's a full slate this weekend. You want to get your bets in, this is going to be the place to do it. This is the craziest sports time of your life. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that brick brain of yours to good use. Like I said, guys, MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code Gamecocks. That's mybookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks, and double your first deposit. Guys, new players get up to $1,000 in free play. So if you put in $1,000, they're going to give you 1000 in free play. You can't lose here. It's free money to play with. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Again, guys, that's mybookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks mybookie.ag promo code gamecocks your winning season begins today only at mybookie enjoy this conversation with mike gillespie of abc columbia all right joining us today on the spurs up show he's with abc columbia the sports director for abc columbia since 2016 He's a Gators alum. We won't hold it against him, but someone that I'm very blessed to call a friend, again, of ABC Columbia. Mike Gillespie does a phenomenal job in the local Columbia media market. Mike, appreciate the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, you and I have been talking about doing this for the last couple of years, and I'm pretty sure every year you'll send me a text message and be like, you should be on the show. And I'm like, absolutely. And then we just never do it. By the way, uh, happy Easter. I just realized I'm drinking out of a mug. <laughs> Happy <laughs> Easter, indeed. Enjoy that. Hey, I feel like in 2020, you can just justify holidays or whenever. It, like, nothing makes sense this year anyway, so maybe Easter is in September. I mean, who knows? <laughs> People are just lucky that I put on pants every day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Mike, I, before we get into everything, obviously, we've got a lot to talk about Gamecocks, and I want to talk about your media career, but I want to go back because I was reading your bio, and, and it's very, very interesting. Again, you are a UF alum, but you grew up a Gators fan. Um, you played basketball growing up. You wanted to play at Florida, play in the pros, stuff like that. Um, talk about your athletic career because, again, I was reading up, and it's really interesting. You suffered from four lung collapses, yeah. which caused you to miss basketball, and that's kind of how you got into um, – what you're doing now with ABC Columbia, just kind of talk about, because again, I, I really do believe everything happens for a reason, yeah. but just 
your athletic career, which feeds into this. Talk about just how that sort of all evolved and came together. Yeah, so my sophomore year in high school, um, I was uh, I was going to make the varsity basketball team uh, because I was an amazing basketball player. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I did. I had four, uh, a series of lung collapses um, in high school when I was about 15 that uh that kept me in the hospital for for a while and um you know i i got out and i wasn't the uh physical specimen that i was at one point and um i literally i I didn't know what to do so my mom actually uh god bless her she said uh you know what i i you love sports and uh let me make a few phone calls uh, and see see what we can do so she contacted uh, the sports director at WCJB TV 20. His name is Joe Gervin, wonderful man. Uh, and uh, asked if, you know, uh, a high school kid could, could help out around there. And he was like, absolutely, as long as we don't have to pay him. And they definitely didn't. And I put in the hours and uh, I kind of fell in love with it, man. It was just like, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the grind was really cool to me. The the Friday nights, you know, under the lights and the Saturdays, you know, waking up super early for college football. Um, it's definitely worn on me. I have gray hairs coming in the side of my head now at 31. But uh, I am uh, I'm really blessed, man. Like like you, you know, to, to be able to do what you want to do. I think everybody should have that opportunity in life. And um that's what I wanted to do. That's what I love to do. I don't know what I, what else I would do mm. if I left this job. I really don't. Right, I have right. no clue what I would be good at. Um, so every, you're right. Everything does happen for a reason. And that's kind of how I got here. Is, um, is it something that clicked? Like you just immediately, you knew you're like, I'm going to do this. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, yes. Um, when I saw my boss in high school drive a Porsche, I was like, that's cool. I want to do that. And then I got in the business and realized (laughs) how in the hell can he afford those car payments? That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I'm pretty sure he had a side hustle somewhere. Uh, But uh, I'm pretty sure he was actually like uh, trafficking heroin uh, on the side. But uh, no, I'm just, I'm kidding. That's (laughs) happened. Uh, But some, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I just realized like, Honestly, um, that, you know, it was really fun. I loved being around sports. You know, I really loved the atmosphere. Um, I, I, I loved the late nights and the early mornings and just the, the hustle was really cool to me. So, yeah, I mean, you know, once I started doing it, um, you know, I, I haven't really looked back. Now, obviously, you grew up a Gators fan, correct? Okay, you grew up a Gators fan. So, I think what's really interesting, and I want to talk about, again, your your life or career or whatever at the University of Florida, but what's interesting, obviously, is South Carolina in 2000, late 2004, early 2005, hire Steve Spurrier to be their head coach. Yes. Um, and then when you get to Columbia, he's still there. But just talk about from the – because there's not really, like, this big rivalry. I, I know fans may argue, but realistically, South Carolina, Florida is not some huge rivalry. I mean, it's obviously been a very interesting matchup because yeah. of the coaching ties. but you know, when you think of rivalries, we're not going to put South Carolina, Florida up there with like South Carolina, Clemson or South Carolina, Georgia or anything. But no, what, what was the what was the take from a Gator diehard, a Gator fan? And then, like I said, when you're at UF and you're seeing Steve Spurrier's statue and it's literally what is it, Steve Spurrier Field. Um, 
what was that feeling like? And then again, Spurrier beats Florida his first season in Florida. And then we obviously know, I mean, throughout his career, he was able to get the better of Florida. You beat Florida to win the SEC East in 2010. Like, I'm sure that had to be a very interesting dynamic for Gator fans. This man that had given you guys, I mean, everything had given Florida. And I'm sure the, the hiring of Urban Meyer softened that blow a little bit. But just what was that dynamic like watching Steve Spurrier do what he did at South Carolina? Um, it, was really, it was really cool, um, yeah. to be honest with you. I, I, I was really happy for him. I, I think, um, you know, my, <laughs> my, my uh, great uncle Perry uh, used mm-hmm. to say, he was a big Kentucky fan, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he also went to, he went to Kentucky, went to Florida, and then got his PhD at uh, Florida State. Now, where am I going with this? Well, he'd always say, you know, go Florida when they're not playing Florida State. Go mm-hmm. Florida State when they're not playing Florida. Kentucky all the way, um, you know, and so it's it's one of those things for me. It was like, well, okay, I'm going to root for Spurrier mm. at Carolina as long as they're not playing Florida, right? Uh, you know, and so every year that one game a year, you know, I'd root for Florida. So you know, it's it's funny. I, I actually I've, I've been following South Carolina for actually a, a, a while because mm. I really admired and loved Spurrier uh, mm. for what he did. I mean you know, the guy can be a complete ass. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, he really can. I mean, like what he said the other day, my, my buddy had him on down in Gainesville. No, he was talking about Vanderbilt yeah. and all of the issues that they've had. And Spurrier's like, yeah, well, you know, I, they're going to struggle. I, I don't know if they'll win one game this year. It's not like they have Arkansas on the schedule. <laughs> I mean, dude, he's doing this in his 70s. Yeah. And he managed to piss off two giant fan bases within 10 seconds. That's him. That is him to a T. And you, you either love him or you hate him. Right. I right. grew up watching Spurrier um, with my – I mean, I, I went to Florida games with my dad, um, you know, since I was seven. And, um, you know, that's honestly – that's really where I, I started to love sports, right there. I mean, that's – you know, that atmosphere was so cool to me. Um, you know, and just watching everybody have such a great time. Um, you know, and, and seeing that sports can really be the great equalizer, especially when you're winning. And so my memories of Spurrier were always very positive. And so that's why, I, you know, it was very hard to root against him, you know. Um, right. And, but, yeah, it, it was a strange dynamic. I mean, you know, especially now, you know, I get to Columbia and I, I see – you know, like the, the famous picture uh, that, that's hanging in Williams-Brice. I think it's the, that first win over Florida in the swamp. Mm. And they, you know, uh, like Spurrier's, you know, they're, they're carrying Spurrier, you know, off the field. And, mm. um, you know, it's that, that, was, that was really weird to me. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, sorry, I know I'm – No, no, you're fine. You're fine. My ass off. But, I mean, to be honest with you, that the, the strangest part of all of this – I. I have to, I'll take you back to 2014. Um, South Carolina beats Florida in overtime, mm. right? And we all knew that that was the end mm. for Muschamp. You just like, you, all you had to do was take one look at Jeremy Foley's face. Mm. And Foley, well, Jeremy Foley's the old Florida athletics yep. director. Yep. Foley looked like his soul just left his body like literally got up and just left the swamp, like literally was walking down university Avenue somewhere. And you just knew that that was the end. And the funny thing was I'm sitting in that press conference afterwards, uh, you know, listening to, to Spurrier talk and 
you know, Spurrier kept saying, you know, Muschamp's a really good coach. You know, he's, he's a really good coach. And there was just something, I mean, obviously it makes sense now, mm-hmm. but there was something about it then. I was like, man, he's really going to bat for Muschamp. He's really, really going to bat. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know if Muschamp gets this job at mm-hmm. South Carolina. Without his blessing. South Carolina didn't beat Florida in 2014. Yeah. Um, I really don't. I think Spurrier had to go to bat for him a lot. Yeah. It's the irony for sure that South Carolina was the team that ended his career in Gainesville and they ended up hiring him. So I want to go back. I want to stick with the Spurrier thing really quickly since we're on it. Um, And again, you've been in Columbia since 2014. I know I said 16, but in 2014, you were the weekend sports anchor. And then 16, you took over, you promoted to the uh, sports director. So you've been in Columbia since 2014, but I want to ask you on that same note with Steve Spurrier because I have a little bit of an issue with it. And, and I, I get the side that argues the point I'm about to make. But I think there's a very, you know, and you see it on social media, Mike, you're very active on Twitter and stuff like that. But anytime Steve Spurrier is brought up in Gamecock circles, there's a very mixed reaction. I, I'm someone that, I, I, listen, I'm just, I, I know it didn't end the way we wanted, but I'm extremely grateful. I mean, Steve Spurrier, the greatest years, like I was in co- – I'm 29, so we're about the same age. I was in college when Spurrier was the great run of 10 to 13. Like, that was the peak of Gamecock fandom ever, ever. The greatest teams to ever take the field at the University of South Carolina. So, when I think of Spurrier, that's what I think of. But it's crazy to me that there is a pretty large portion of the fan base that they despise him for the way that it ended. And I think there, I have to believe those same people just hated Spurrier before South Carolina hired him, and it's just this – this this vendetta against him, but like, right. has it has it been strange for you? I'll ask to see like that mixed reaction because again, 2015 happened and he he bailed like halfway through the year. We all know what happened, and it wasn't the most ideal situation. It, it wasn't the most ideal departure, and I'm sure if Steve Spurrier could go back and he said before he kind of regrets it. He he'd do things differently, but it was very. You know, it's just Spurrier. He, he's, like you said, he's a guy, he just fires off at the mouth. He's going to do what he wants. He, he doesn't follow anybody else's, you know, way of doing things. I mean, but, but has it been interesting for you? Because I know it has been for me to see fans. And to see fans going into year five of Will Muschamp, and this is kind of getting off on a different subject, but going into year five of Will Muschamp, there are people that still want to blame Steve Spurrier for where the program is at. And I just think that's the complete wrong way to look at it. I think that those two can mutually coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can have great admiration for Spurrier and love him for what he did. But I also think you can be very pissed off at Spurrier for where he did leave the program. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, and, and this is, you know, this might be a hot take. I have no idea. But I do think Spurrier is largely responsible for Clemson's rise um, right. because when you stop recruiting and, and showing up at high schools, that's a problem. Yeah. And when the, when the college right up the road with uh, a, an equally passionate fan base starts showing up, recruiting these, you know, top guys, you know, it, all of a sudden you see the pendulum swing and that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, I think that it wasn't as strange for me. And, and here's why. Because I was a student when, <clears throat> when Urban Meyer was at Florida. Mm. And Urban did not leave in a great way either. Right, yeah. Um, the, health, the health issues, right? That was the, 
the, there was the health issues. And, and you know, what's crazy, and this is just, you know, f- this is just fans being fans. Mm. There are a lot of people <laughs> who just said that Urban made it up, that yeah. he wanted to get out of Gainesville. He was tired of putting in 17-hour workdays. Mm. And that might be true. But I also do think that, you know, look, you can listen to the 911 call from Shelly Meyer. Like, there were problems. He had health issues. Mm. Now, should he have left the year before? Probably. I, I always ask people, can you think of uh, an ending to a college football dynasty that went well? Yeah. Like, always, maybe, it's always rough. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Southern, Southern Cal, maybe, but yeah. even they were pissed off when Carroll left for the Seahawks, right? So, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's ever a good way to end it. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, to this day, Florida fans are pissed off at Urban. And, you know, I've got, you know, tons of friends, obviously, that are still big Florida fans. And I'm like, and they're pissed. Off. And I'm like, why? You know, they call him Urban Liar. And it's like, why? I mean, you do realize that he was more successful than Steve Spurrier, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, in the small amount of time that he was at Florida, he won two goddamn national <laughs> titles. I mean, that's impossible. Like, yeah. you talk about just, you know, being in a place for a small amount of time and being able to do what he did. Mm. So, it, to, to be honest with you, Chris, it, it didn't really um, surprise me too much when Spurrier left and people were upset. Um, I just think that that's, you know – it's fans being fans and that's always going to be that way. Um, but getting back to your original question, I do think that those two things can mutually coexist. Yeah. I, I do think that you can love them and, and still be upset for how things ended. Um, you know, and to be quite honest with you, I, I think, you know, Spurrier deserves to have his name on the field uh, here. You know, I really do. I, I think that that, that should happen. And, um, you know, I think urban Meyer deserves to be in the ring of honor at Florida. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think at, over time, you know, you got to let bygones be bygones. And, yeah. No, I know. agree with you. I, like I said, the best memories of Gamecock football for any fan come from the Steve Spurrier era. Like, like you said, uh, you went to the University of Florida, obviously did a lot of different stuff for them. You were a play-by-play announcer for Florida Gators, IMG Sports Network. You were obviously, obviously majored in journalism, stuff like yeah. that. Come to Columbia in 2014, like I said, you had been following South Carolina for so long, and Steve Spurrier was the head coach. With I'm assuming yeah. it was – Again, there's not really this huge rivalry. So I would assume there was like this perfect marriage when you got to Columbia. You're like, this is just, you know, I, 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 feel, I feel like it had to be like a seamless transition for you coming to Columbia. You know, it, it was. It was really nice. Um, and I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I think it was more of um, Tim Hills doing than, than anything. You know, mm-hmm. Tim was my, my boss. He hired me here. I was in Davenport, Iowa, um, which nothing against Davenport, <laughs> Iowa, okay, but I literally, I literally lived next to the John Deere plant. Okay. So that's right. where I lived out of, out of college. Uh, that was my first job. I was like, I need to be a little closer to home. Uh, I actually want to cover some different things. Mm-hmm. So I started applying for jobs and Tim hired me and, and Tim is the best. Uh, he, you know, he wound up leaving in 2016 to do radio full time, but, um, you know, he was the one who brought me here. And uh, yeah, he, he made my life so much easier. Uh, but I mean, in terms of just like coverage, it was kind of weird because a lot of the same guys who were at Florida were also here, um, you know, like on the coaching staff, um, you know, Spurrier Jr., obviously. And then, 
Uh, they went out and got, um, oh my God, what, uh, who's the old uh, defensive coordinator? He came from Chicago. Oh, Lorenzo Ward, you talking about? No. Um, oh, no, he replaced Lorenzo Ward. Um, oh, John Hoke? John Hoke. Yeah, yeah. Hoke, yeah. yeah. John Hoke. He came in to fix the defense, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that didn't go very well. No. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, there, it, it was. I mean, there, it was kind of cool. There were a lot of, um, you know, there were a lot of ties there, which was, which was interesting. Yeah, and it, like you were saying, kind of off air, and I want to get into it. The ties between Florida and South Carolina are kind of eerie. Like, I, my biggest thing, listen, everybody knows my opinions on Will Muschamp. I, I hope South Carolina goes 10 and 0 this year. I hope he's here another 10 years. But the one thing I, I really hope, I don't want the next coach to come from Florida because I'm just sick of that connection. No offense to anybody, but I just, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's been a while now. Like, can we think outside of the box when it comes to, the next coach or whatever it may be. Jim like, if we go hire Jim McElwain, I will lose my mind. Um, but, the, again, the, the ties continue and the interesting connect that you're at UF and Will Muschamp is the head coach. Yeah. You come to Columbia, Spurrier yes. only lasts another year and a half. Yeah. Will Muschamp is hired by the University of South Carolina. I mean, you have to be going home just thinking to yourself, like, like, what did I do to have this, like, you know, not in a bad way, but it's like, I mean, this is – it has to be just insane. that the Like like you said, like the loss happens in 2014. It's like just the sequence of events of Will Muschamp coming to Columbia. It's like the irony is insane. I will tell you that it uh, came to a head in 2017 when Florida and South Carolina played in the Elite Eight. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, That's final four. Yeah. I was just like, all right, <laughs> God damn it. This needs to stop <laughs> now. Like enough already. Like we, I get it. Just tearing your heart apart. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a lot, man. Like I, <laughs> you know. And we were joking off air that I'm gonna wind up on blood pressure medication because of this job. And at times, like when when these, you know, are you a big Seinfeld fan? I don't know if you like. I, I like it. I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but I like it. Yeah. So George had this thing, you know, worlds colliding, and that's exactly how I felt. Uh, for a long time it's you know now I think there are so many people that you know either hired me at Florida or um you know I worked with that that aren't there anymore Mm. um and so you know people asked me you know back in 2017 that basketball game actually you know who are you gonna root for (laughs) and to be honest with you it was like I don't really root but I know these guys on Carolina's roster Mm. like I know them personally Mm. I want them to win because it's a really cool story yeah you know like Florida had been there done that like that Mm. team didn't even deserve to beat Wisconsin Mm. uh you know let alone (laughs) be in uh be in contention for the final four so um yeah I I mean it it is weird and I'm and I and I really do hope that the connections stop at some Mm. point like like you said if (laughs) if they hire Jim McElwain uh, I might, I might just leave. I may, yeah. <laughs> I might go up and just walk out and find somewhere else to live. Yeah, it's the 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 ties are just annoying to me. But for you, it's like literally ripping at the heartstrings. We have to have yeah. to make sure that Florida and South Carolina is like, all right, let's make a collective decision. We're going to kind of do our own things here now. We don't have to all do the same thing. Here's so. the thing, though. I think McElwain would have a really hard time finding sharks here. 
<laughs> have to go down to Hilton Head or Savannah or something like that. Yeah. Right. Not, not yeah. too far. Not that far. Go down to Charleston. It's not that far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to get into the nitty gritty with you, Mike. Get on the football field. I'll, I'll stick with Muschamp because, listen, this – this year, and we can certainly talk about it, you know, affected by the pandemic, stuff like that. The economic impact is felt across all industries, all people. It's, it's hit everybody. Sure. So what happens as far as coaches who are on the hot seat, especially those with buyouts, the coach we're about to talk about, um, who knows what happens with that. But nobody can debate, in my opinion, this is a huge year for Will Muschamp, his staff, showing the trajectory of the program, the progress of the program. Again, my thoughts on Will Muschamp are very well documented. I've also gone on record and saying – because of what has happened this year, the evolution of the pandemic and this COVID world we live in, I think most likely, no matter what happens, Will Muschamp's going to be back in 2021 because the school's not going to want to pay a $13 million buyout and pay the next guy to come in because of everything that's happened. And you just paid for renovations to williams Bryce. So it seems like they might be strapped for cash. But with that being said, again, I think you'd agree this is a huge year. Yeah, they're strapped for cash. Yeah, I think you'd agree, though, this is a huge year just – in the sense of, you know, the national eye, the eye of the fan, like showing progress as a program. But I want to ask you, we talked about Will Muschamp was the hot name when he was hired by Florida. I mean, there's a reason Florida hired him. Yep. He was the hot name when he was at Texas. You've seen his career play out at Florida. You've seen it play out at South Carolina. Are you surprised in any way, or is it exactly what you expected, the way his career has gone at South Carolina after – experience in the Will Muschamp years at Florida? That is a great question. Um, I, I am surprised by how similar things yeah. are. And when I say similar, I mean, you know, all of the soft tissue injuries, right? The injuries to the quarterbacks. Mm. Like, I think Will has been snake bitten. Mm. You know, he's always been snake bitten. And I, I don't think that it's anything that, um, you know, his staff does differently. You know, I mean, like, listen, you can you can put the blame on, you know, the strength and conditioning coordinators all you want. But right. I think at the end of the day, sometimes it's just luck. Right. Mm. And I am a little surprised by how unlucky Muschamp has been. Mm. Um, and I like Will a lot, um, you know he he's a good guy uh he really is i mean I, you know he treats the media fairly well i mean i i don't have any issues there i mean um so i've i rooted for him when he got here um i have said this a, a couple times now um I, I do honestly think chris that this year is very important because obviously last year was horrendous and you know they're not going to be able to buy him out this year so I don't think Muschamp is going anywhere unless they go over yeah uh and in that case (laughs) I I really there will be a booster that steps up if something like that happens I I think that people will line up at his house with fiery pitchforks and like you know escort him out uh, if he goes I'm not even kidding yeah no I I agree I I, I, I don't think he lasts that's not going to happen. Right. Right. Um, In fact, I I think they walk away with a win against Tennessee just because of all of their issues. Right. Um, But um, I, I do think that this year is important because the more games he wins this year, right. Mm -hmm. The fewer games he has to win next year. 
And it's important for Muschamp because when you look at all of the talent, right, that they might potentially lose, um, you know, I mean, it's that's going to be real. And, and I understand that there's a lot of talent coming in, you know, especially on the defensive line. Um, but, you know, you, you look at, you know, some of the, the greatest receivers that Carolina has had over the last couple of years, right? And, I mean, they've just – they've lost so much talent. So – you know, it, I, I just think that if, if he isn't very successful this year, like say it's, you know, four and six, um, you know, that means that he probably has got to win eight next year um, yeah. with an offense that, I mean, I don't really know what that looks like, you know, next year, because does Mike Bobo, you know, just decide, you know, he wants another head coaching job. I don't know. There, there are just so many things that are up in the air year to year in college football that, you know, the more, the more games you can win now, the better your future is going to be. And I know that's not breaking news or anything, but, um, but seriously, I, I do think, you know, uh, unlike a couple other coaches, like, you know, let's just say uh, Mullen um, or uh, I don't know, um, you know, Stoops, you know, at Kentucky, like they, they have a couple years to play around with, with this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but Muschamp really doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I don't, again, I don't think he's going anywhere this year just simply because of the buyout. But next year, when that yeah. buyout drops, I think, you know, if, if they, if they don't make, a, at least make a bowl, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what, yeah, what, I, I would, I would honestly say if, if you see, you know, listen, I picked three and seven and I, I mean, I could very realistically see it happening. This yeah. for this season, yeah, and I could, you know, I picked it because I, I truly believe it could happen. I, I think four and six is probably, yeah. I mean, listen, over under three and a half in Vegas, and Vegas knows, correct? So I mean, yeah, most of the time they do. They don't build they don't build mansions off of winners' money. So, <laughs> yeah. well, um, but, but that was again, Chris. Remember that was before Tennessee had like, yeah, no, years. for sure. For I, and I'll say I've said all else. I see a path to five wins. I see a path to six wins. I really, really do. It's just making it happen so but i'll just say this either way unless south Carolina wins six or more games maybe if they win five or more games but if they win less than five yeah 2021 is going to be a year where you got to probably win eight games i mean you're gonna you're gonna have to show real pro you know what i'm saying it's gonna have to be a big jump because yeah. you're saying year six the buyouts drop so much i don't think a six and six record would bring you back i really don't like i don't think that'd be enough in year six to say okay this thing is headed where you want it to go see you're right. No, you're 110% right. The pressure will be on big time. It probably will be on either way because, I mean, listen, this is a – you know, you're getting paid as much money as these college coaches are. The pressure's on there every year for these guys. But, yeah, <clears throat> if this year doesn't go how fans want it to go, 2021 will be massive. Will be, And, I, again, I don't think just getting to a bowl will be good enough. I, I think it's really interesting because South Con- or, uh, Georgia, Florida is a lot like Clemson, South Carolina in the sense of the rival fans – they know everything about each other, their teams, everything. Yeah. So you're familiar with a guy like Mike Bobo. He was at the University of Georgia for a long time. Yeah. Um, South Carolina obviously hires him in the offseason. And I think it is a massive upgrade from Brian McClendon. I mean, a guy that's proven, you know, he's, play, he's called plays for the University of Georgia. He, he's called big-time plays. You know, head coach of Colorado State didn't really go his way. But he's a proven play caller in the SEC. But – your overall thoughts, again, somebody you're extremely familiar with, Florida's defense has had to go up against him every single year for a long time. Your overall thoughts on the Mike Bobo hire, and what do you expect from his offense this season? Well, let me just say, in terms of Brian McClendon, okay, first of all, I think Brian McClendon is going to be a fantastic offensive coordinator. I agree with you. Uh, I agree. I, I, 
that guy really thought outside the box. And I had a really good conversation with him at the end of last year, uh, last December. And, you know, I mean, it was, he flat out told me, he's like, look, you know, what am I supposed to do when all of my quarterbacks are injured? My best wide receiver can't play. You know, I mean, you're shuffling, rotating guys on the offensive line because they had so many injuries. Yeah, I, I do want to make the point. I agree with you. I think fans are actually too harsh on Brian McClendon. I say he's a major upgrade. I, I think he's a major upgrade either way, just from the experience aspect. But I do agree with you. Yeah. And I'll say I'm, I'm probably in the minority here, and I don't think this is a very popular opinion. I know why they did it. I know it was to save face. Muschamp had to make the move. I, for one, wouldn't have been that upset if they brought McClendon back. I, I, I'm like you. I think he's a great young offensive mind. Yeah. And, I mean, I know Oregon, unfortunately, is not going to play this year, at least this fall. But I think he's going to have massive success. He's a great recruiter. I, I think he'll have massive success. So, I, I, didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%, honestly. No, not, not at all. I, I mean, look, there, there were a lot of guys that, you know, wanted him gone. You know, and, right. and, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. And rightfully so. You know, look, mm-hmm. you – you make the kind of money that these guys make mm-hmm. and you know, you got to find a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, point blank. If you're making a million dollars a year to coach the offense, which yeah. Mike Bobo is, <laughs> you better find a way to go from what 11th in the sec in points yeah. per game last year mm-hmm. to let's call it sixth or seventh. Yeah. I think that's fine. If you're making a million dollars <laughs> a year to coach the offense. Mm. Um, I thought the the hiring of Mike Bobo was a slam dunk. I really do. I, I think, um, and and for a lot of reasons. I mean, number one, Muschamp and and Bobo go way back to mm. their college days. They have a, a great mutual respect for one another. I think that Muschamp um, will let Mike Bobo do what he wants to do. Mm. My. I guess my concern, and I and I asked Mike Bobo this last year when he was hired, or this earlier this year, um, when he was hired. Um, you know, I asked him the question: Can a traditional offense still win in college? Mm-hmm. That is my main concern. Yeah. Um, now, you know, you can make the argument that yeah, I mean, look at Alabama, um, <laughs> but again, they've also they've also made some major upgrades in their offense too. I mean, yeah. look at what Tua was able to do. Well, you're also the, – the, the key in that what you just said is you're not playing with Alabama's talent. That's the problem. Right. And well, I think yeah. that's the concern you heard from fans. And I think it's <clears> – I think it's very justified when he was hired. It's like you cannot run Georgia's offense with South Carolina's players. Todd Gurley's not in the backfield for South Carolina. All due respect to the guys on that team, but – there's not a Todd Gurley. There's not a Nick Chubb. There's not a Sony Michelle. Like, and you know that guy could have very well been Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, you trust me. Thanks for thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, it, it could have been. You know, Marshawn Lloyd could have been a guy that you know mm-hmm. gets the ball. You know, twenty to twenty-five times a game. Yeah. We don't know, but what I do know is that uh, Fenwick is not Gurley. Right. Yeah. I don't think he is. I don't know. He's right. young, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a positive thing because, you know, he was able to bring in his quarterback, mm-hmm. okay, Colin Hill. I, I think, to be honest with you, um, <laughs> honestly, Chris, the only reason why I think we're having a conversation about a quarterback battle 
mm-hmm. is because the season was delayed by three weeks. Yeah, that's why. If if the season hadn't been delayed, Colin Hill would have been the starter. Mm. But I do think that you know because of the extra couple weeks, it's given Holinsky a little bit more time. Yeah, to learn to the playbook, learn the system. <clears throat> but you know, so I think from that perspective. I think that the Mike Vogel hire was very, very good because, you know, he was able to bring in some of his guys, Adam Prentice, uh, guys that already know this offense. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do uh, in terms of using tight ends this year. You know, that's something obviously that we saw a lot, you know, when he was at Georgia, you know, the run game was strong, uh, thrown to the tight ends a lot. Um, And I think that actually could be very positive given the fact that apparently the uh, freshman quarterback on Carolina is the fastest person on the team, which by the way, I take issue um, because like, what? How the hell is that possible? I mean, listen, Dodie. Yeah. He's a a speedster, but it is definitely surprising. (laughs) I mean, like you're also talking about the same college that produced guys like, I don't know. Debo Samuel, A Sanders, A yeah. Sanders, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, uh, Demir Bird, Bruce Ellington, yeah. I mean, the list goes I mean, on and on. So it's like you know that was a little surprising to me. Now his high school tape is really cool. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you turn on like I think sophomore year he played receiver, mm-hmm. and I mean he's a, he's a stud man. But mm-hmm. again, you also have guys who have been you know on this roster for a long time, like Shai Smith, um, and uh, you know when when the news comes out about um, uh, about Luke Doty being the fastest guy on the team. And then, and then Muschamp makes the joke, well, you know, maybe some corners can play wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> I started to, yeah, I started yeah. to so, say to myself, like, okay, how much talent really is there on this offense? And mm-hmm. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you can have the best offensive coordinator in the world. But if there's no one to throw to, like, that's a huge concern of mine. Yeah. Uh, right there. No, the, the wide receiver position is definitely a question. I, I, I want to talk about that, but I, you, you mentioned the quarterback position. And, again, it's polarizing right now because, like you said, it's funny. It, it's, I've talked to different people about this, Mike. It, it's funny how much changes in college football so fast. I mean, you think back just a, just a year, just a year ago, we're talking about, you know, okay, Jake Bentley's senior year, Ryan Halinsky's going to redshirt. We all have these plans, right? Boom, one game. Jake Bentley done for the year. He's transferring. Ryan Holinsky's your quarterback. You go through the season. Okay, Ryan Holinsky's our guy. You know, he's highly touted coming in. And the backup quarterback's the most popular guy on campus. We all know that. It's the unknown guy. He gives you the hope, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You finally get Holinsky. You're thinking, I'm thinking to myself, okay, we found the dude for the next three or four years. For better or for worse, Ryan Holinsky's going to be the guy. Colin Hill decides to transfer to South Carolina. I'm thinking to myself, Okay, I'm expecting Luke Doty, <clears throat> Luke Doty to be QB2. I think Colin Hill is going to provide a nice veteran presence. He's going to be able to, you know, mentor Ryan and coach up Ryan. And now we're sitting here talking about him taking his job because I agree with you. If I had to put money on it right now, just from everything, the way these guys talk about the quarterback situation and everything we know, I'm putting money on Colin Hill to be QB1 right now. And that's just like, it's crazy that I'm saying that. It, I feel crazy saying that, but. It's a real thing. I mean, like you said, Mike Bobo handpicked him to come in. He knows the system. He knows the scheme. You know, Nick Muse joked a few weeks ago that, hey, he knows the playbook better than Mike Bobo does. So, I think all that factored in. I mean, listen, there's a legitimate QB battle going on right now. Fans, it's 
the the reaction from fans is very interesting because I don't know. Listen, I, I truly believe the majority of the fan base just wants to win. I, I don't think any people really care who plays quarterback, but yeah. I think there's definitely some fans that are in a a very interesting place right now because I think fan fan bases just so badly want to latch and attach to one guy and that be their guy. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that was Ryan. And, I mean, I like Ryan a lot, but, again, I just want to win games. I don't care who plays. But for a lot of fans, I see a lot of fans, like, talking crap on Colin Hill. I know he was a very average quarterback at Colorado State. He dealt with injuries. But I try, to I try to tell people, man, you better buckle up because there's a very real possibility, and I think it's going to happen, that he's going to be the starting quarterback against Tennessee. Yeah, and I, I do too. Um, but, I mean, let's be clear. I, I, both guys are going to play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, we're going to see Holinsky out there. We're going to see Hill out there. Um, who takes the first snap? Probably Colin Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, too, you know, I, I've been doing this for so long that, you know, when you talk to guys, you can almost get a, a obviously a, a sense of, you know, the, the depth chart. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're also, at least for me, when I'm interviewing guys, I, I'm also – talking to them as a person not a player and to me Colin Hill exhibits a lot of the leadership qualities that you want in a quarterback he's a little older he's really he's wicked smart he has has impeccable hair by the way great beard which by the way do you know the story about that I heard him I heard him talk about he was he had like a long beard he was growing it out until he uh was cleared yeah hair and then he decided that decided to keep it keep the hair and so now they Steven Garcia 2.0 I mean. yeah right exactly <laughs> uh so but I mean you know he's just um you know not that Holinsky does I mean look you know Ryan is is for his age I mean he is really he's a mature guy and you know a lot of people look up to him well, it's like it's like Ryan's a freshman all over again, is what I told people. When you have the coaching yeah. change, he's a freshman all over again. I mean, really. And and, and someone made this point to me. I, I won't say who it is, but it was a former offensive lineman who played for Carolina. He made this point to me. He was like, you know, man. Um, he goes, he goes, he goes, go back and watch the tape from last year. You know, when Holinsky was down on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't see a lot of guys go to pick him up. Right. And he was like, these are the things that I kind of look for uh, when I'm evaluating quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? It's like, do you have the trust and the admiration from your teammates? Mm-hmm. And not to say that he doesn't, because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly no one's like, no current players are going to come out and be like, you know, no, screw that guy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so uh, but I think that point is really interesting that, you know, maybe he just needs a few more years to earn that respect. Uh, whereas I feel like Colin Hill might already have it uh, based on what I've heard. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's obviously really important, especially at that position. Um we make a lot about, you know, the quarterback battle, obviously, I mean, dude, it's the sexiest thing to talk about. Yeah, of course. Of course. It, it is every year. And I, I honestly, you know, I love it because it's free content, you yeah. know, for me. I mean, I, I like, you can never go wrong talking about the, the quarterback battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I am, to be honest with you, I, I think the biggest concern for me is um, who's out wide. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that could be an issue. It could be a really big problem this year. 
Yeah, I mean, outside of Shai Smith, and I mean, I've told people all offseason, I think one of the more underrated storylines is Shai Smith. Is he ready to be a number one? I mean, you know, you, you talk about beyond him, but I mean, he's never caught for more than 500 yards in a season. I mean, is he ready to be, you know, he's never had to be that guy, I'll say, because it felt the dynamic of, of the number one wide receiver position, like it felt different with Brian Edwards, because I felt like even when Debo was there, it was more of a 1A, 1B. Like, because their playing styles were different. You always you always looked at Brian Edwards as like, that guy is a number one wide receiver. He, he might not be the most explosive playmaker on the offense. He's a number one wide out there. With Shai Smith, he's always just been a complimentary piece. I, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I think he has a skill set similar to Debo Samuel. He has that speed, that quickness. But, I mean, it's just a huge – is he ready to attract the attention on, that defenses are going to give him? You know what I mean? Is he ready to beat a double team? Like, that's – you know, that's a huge question mark for sure. I, I want to move – <laughs> to a more positive when it comes to this team, and that is the defense. I, I will say, um, if this defense pans out, which it should, this should be a probably the best, one of the best defenses <clears throat> of the Will Muschamp era. I mean, I look back at that 2017 unit. I, I literally talked about on the show Monday. So good at getting the ball off people, the turnovers. That that's the reason that team won nine games, without a doubt. Um, sure. You have to replace Ken Law. You have to replace Wanham. You have to replace Brunson. But you bring in a guy like Jordan Birch. <clears throat> excuse me, you bring in a guy like Jordan Birch, I think Zach Pickens should make a huge jump from year one to year two. And you look at that secondary, and I mean, you look at that defense, and it's just ridden with talent. You talked about all the talent Muschamp's recruited. They have recruited talent on the defensive side of the ball. Just talk about the defense as a whole, some things you like. I mean, listen, I, I think the big question is, can you replace the voids left by Ken Law, Wanham, and Brunson? But all signs to me point that this should be a really, really good defense. And a defense that, listen, South Carolina, because the struggles offensively, I think it's going to def- It's going to be a defense that this team's going to lean on to win some games this year. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and you know, listen, when – here the, the good thing about this defense is, you know, okay, so you have some pieces that you need to replace on the defensive line. You know, Kinlaw, Wanham, obviously. So let's just say that USC's, you know, pass rush isn't fantastic this year, mm. okay, but it's marginal. The great part about this defense, though, is on the back end, mm. you've got guys who are all going to play in the NFL mm. within the next couple of years. I mean, Mukwamu is a first-round talent. Uh, Horn, I, I, I'm really, I really want J.C. Horn to break out this year, yeah. uh, kind of like Mukwamu did last I, year. My bold prediction is J.C. gets his first career pick in the first game. Man, yeah. man, I don't know if it's because I want it more not, so want it to happen. Wait a second. Does he not? He doesn't have any. Two full seasons, zero interceptions. That's no. his big – that's the big knock on J.C. If people ask me all the time, <clears throat> why is Izzy getting – because, you know, it's – there's a fun little head-to-head, I think. It's like, who's the better player? Like, you love to compare and contrast, but they're both great players. But people ask me all the time, why is Izzy getting more love nationally than J.C.? I'm like, well, J.C. hasn't had that big game. He hasn't had that – he hasn't had that Georgia. That's what yeah. put Izzy on the map. So – yeah, two careers, and he, he does not get the ball thrown his way a lot. That's a big thing, too. But to be fair, J.C.'s had some opportunities. And, I mean, you know, the UNC game, he had one go right through his hands. And, unfortunately, it's Florida last year. You have one called back because of penalty. But, yeah, zero, zero picks through two seasons, which is crazy for a player that's good as he is. Crazy. That's fascinating, actually. And I probably should have known that. But that <laughs> is a really crazy yeah. stat to me. Yeah. Uh, I probably did know that, but it's uh, yeah. So my so my bold take is he gets a pick in game one, and even bolder take is let's say he leads the SEC in picks this year. Now that would be something. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Mukwamu second. Yeah, there you go. That's that. that I'm, I'd be fine with that. But 
I agree with you. Those are both first round talents for sure. I mean, no yeah, and, and, and so I mean, I, I think that's that's the positive, right? That's the positive spin. So you mm-hmm. lose guys on the defensive line, but here's the thing: that that secondary is probably the deepest it's been, you know, under Will Muschamp, which is fantastic. Yeah. And you've got you know NFL talent back there, so I don't think it's going to be as noticeable, maybe uh, you know, as it was a, a couple years back. Um, but you know, again, you know, Jordan Birch is the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of interested to see, you know, how many how many snaps he gets, um, you know, and and again, you know, Zach Pickens, I, I've heard just wonderful things about that guy. I mean, he you know he uh, he gets off walks really really well. He's fast, um, you know. I, I he can plug up the holes. I I, I definitely think you know he's he's going to live up to all of that hype. Mm. Um, but again, you know, there's some also holes, you know, in in, in the linebacking. You know, I mean, you know, you lose a guy like TJ Brunson, you know, who was a starter for all four years. Underrated leader, I would say. I think that's a good way to classify him. Um, Not a super vocal guy, but just, um, you know, and just in terms of knowing what to do and where to be. Um, And they, you know, they lost two two linebackers over the last couple of years who I think were really fantastic players. Uh, Bryson Allen Williams, Mm. my former intern, loved that guy to death. And... DJ Brunson, and you know that. Oh, that's that's really really hard to replace. You know, it, it's funny, Chris. Like when when you think about it, um, I am really surprised that that team went four and eight last year, just given the amount of talent that Carolina had. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, <laughs> I went out there uh, to to spring practice uh, back in March when we could actually go and shoot things, <laughs> and. Uh, and I'm sitting, I'm looking around and I'm like, man, I don't really know what my story is tonight. Like, is it Holinsky? I don't know. Whereas like last year, I mean, think about it. It's like Kinlaw, first round talent, Brian Edwards, you know, like, is he going to have the monster season that, you know, some people say he's going to, you know, uh, Wanham, you know, can he elevate his game and, you know, go in the first couple rounds of the NFL draft next year? Um, but this year was just very different. There, there are a lot of guys that, you, that I don't want to say are under the radar, um, but are just a little unknown right now. Uh, I think the talent is there, but there are a lot of guys, especially on that defensive line, that just are a little unknown. Well, and, that, and that's what scares me about it. You know, when people ask me, Chris, why are you not, you know, we, we bring all this back. I, I just, what scares me is that <clears throat> to the point you made, I, number one, I agree, there was way too much talent on that roster to go four and eight. I don't care who the quarterback is, way too much talent. But what scares me is that when I look at this team, I feel like you basically, I mean, and there's definitely unknowns. We have these young freshmen that who knows how they're going to pan out. But really, when you look at it, it's just kind of like to the point you made, when you look at this team, and you look around, it's like, this is the same exact team as last year, just without your best players. Like, that's how it feels. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, again, there's definitely unknowns, like, at the water. Who knows? There, maybe Mike Wyman, Rico Powers, maybe Jalen Brooks, these, these dudes we've never seen play. Maybe they turn out and they're the real deal. But, you know, people ask me, how, how do you not expect the defense to be, like, top three of the SEC? And I'm like, listen, I think they're going to be good, but it's the same exact defense minus Kinlaw and minus Wanham. I mean, listen, I think Jordan Burt's going to be a nice player, but he's probably not going to play a ton as a freshman. But, I mean, it's basically the same team. That's what scares me a little bit. I know you expect guys to get better as they go through their career, but everybody else is getting better too. It's not like we're the only team that's getting better. So, 
you know, kind of a side note, but that, that's – you made the point. That's definitely the one thing that worries me a little bit is, like you said, you just – there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, this team is one big question mark in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, listen, the, the secondary is going to be the strongest part of this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. Offense, defense, special teams. I mean, it is going to be the strongest part of this team. Mm-hmm. And I do think that Carolina can win and lose games based off of how that secondary performs. Um, there are some interesting matchups this year, though. You know, we, mm-hmm. we know that Florida loves to pass the ball, you know. Yeah. Uh, second game of the season, I, I think that could actually go in Carolina's favor because, look, if they're, if they're willing to test Carolina's secondary – uh, that's that's a pretty hard that's a pretty hard feat, you know. I mean, I, I really do think that you know teams that decide to pass the ball on USC, they're gonna have a they're gonna have a hard time. Um, I just I, I do wonder to your point, Chris. I, I wonder how that defensive line will step up, and especially stopping the run. Um, you know, I, I just I don't know. I, I really don't. And I wish I wish there were more answers right now. Yeah. Um, but until they line up, you know what. These are just guys that are, we don't know a whole lot about yet. Um, you know, unlike last year, where you know we knew Kinlaw was going to be a first round talent. Yeah, you knew um, Edwards. You knew, you know, yeah, you kind of. No. We had a lot more answers <laughs> for sure. No, exactly, man. And I, I you know, I don't want to be cliche and be like, well, we got to, you know, wait to see what happens. Um, but I think with this team, it really is just yeah. okay. Uh, how do we put some of these misfit toys all together? you know, and make them gel and work because right. it's like, especially on offense, because yeah. you've got guys who have been in McClendon system for a couple of years, you know, and all of a sudden we're going to go to kind of like an archaic style yeah. lineup. And it's almost like, are they going to run the wishbone? <laughs> you know, like what are <laughs> they going to Lou Holtz days? <laughs> they're going to run, you know, I don't know. But they, they really, yeah, exactly. They really want to have, you know, the, the, uh, the double tight end set. You know, they, they want to be, I think, run first, uh, I think. But, God, I mean, seriously, there are so many questions on this roster. Uh, not a lot of continuity, I feel like, from last year at all. Yeah, I, I want to get your take overall on the season, Mike. Again, I, I've said – I've made my prediction. I picked three and seven. But I've also stated that I think five and five should be the minimum expectation. I, I do believe – even with the questions offensively, like you said, Mike Bobo's getting paid a lot of money to figure it out. Hey, I don't care about the question marks. Get it figured out. It's a reason you make the big bucks. So I think five and five should be the minimum expectation to really show progress and show, hey, we've got, you know, we bounced back from that four and eight. That was a, that's not the norm, right? That's just, that's a, that's a one-off. That's not the norm. We got this thing back on track, but I've picked three and seven. I, I've said many times again, I got burned last year picking seven and five. I'm going a little conservative on my picks, but I think three and seven is fair given the question marks around this team. I, you know, but I, I will say I'm going a little conservative on the picks. But I just want to ask you, is five and five, do you think that's, that's fair to set that as the minimum expectation? And when you – I'm not – I don't know if I'm necessarily going to ask you to put you on the spot and ask you to, like, make a record project, projection, if you will. But just when you look at this 2020 season as a whole – and, again, who knows if we even get through the whole season. I, I'm just – we're playing the hypothetical game and just assuming – but just your overall take on this season, you know, what you're expecting from this team. I, I think that it, what you just said is the most important part of this year. Mm. Um, we don't even know what the season is going to look like in a month. Yeah. 
It's like we were talking about off air. Three Big Twelve games this weekend already postponed. So who knows? I mean, really, right. and, who knows? And, you know, these things <clears throat> right now. We were also talking about this: how news, you know, things change so quickly now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talk about you know Tennessee two weeks ago. Uh, you know, everything seemed to be fine, <clears throat> and then you know they yeah, forty four guys. Having, they start having some cases, right? They do contact tracing, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> you got like four, how many? Forty-four. Forty-four or guys, and that they they had to basically cancel the scrimmage Saturday because they right. didn't have enough bodies. <laughs> right. So yeah. you know, to me, it is a war of attrition this year, and I mm. don't, I don't think for that reason it is extremely hard to put any sort of specific number on this because I don't even know if they even get to to ten games, mm. you know, played this year. Uh, it could very well be a thing where, you know, three games into the season, uh, there, there are way too many cases on college campuses and they have to shut it down. Um, but I do think, let's just hypothetically say right, right. that they do play 10 games. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think given the news out of Georgia uh, with Newman, uh, you know, sitting out, waiting for the draft, um, <clears throat> I think Carolina has, to be honest with you, I think Carolina has more talent than Kentucky does. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, two, I think you get a win over Vanderbilt. I think, you know, given the struggles that you know Tennessee has had this off season and Carolina's lucky that they get them week one, um, and under the lights too. Mm. And, uh, so that's four and then maybe just one that, it goes USC's way. And I don't know if that's Florida, a noon kick, you know, where the students don't show up until 1240, um, <laughs> you know, and there are, there are only going to be 18,000 fans in the yeah. swamp. And, and believe me, man, I mean, you know, I, I grew up there like that. The, those players feed off of the energy so much down there. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the loudest venues I've ever been in. And I think that's another storyline this year. You're not going to have that energy. Yeah, and home so- field advantage isn't a, isn't a. And I was talking to my buddy about that because the Tennessee game. You know, I I think it's a coin flip game, but I picked Tennessee to win, twenty three to seventeen. But I, I think it's going to be like a twenty three to twenty, twenty four yeah. twenty one. And I, I told my buddy, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate because in a normal year, I probably would pick South Carolina just because the home field advantage edge at night. But it's like you don't get that. You really just don't. You know, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. And, you know, remember what happened at Georgia, right? You know, you Carolina at Georgia last year, if that had been a seven thirty kick, I think it, it right. goes the, the complete yeah. opposite direction. Right. I really do. Um, but because USC got Georgia at noon, but like I, they were sleepwalking a little bit. <laughs> they, did. they did. And the same thing I think could happen at Florida week two. Mm. Um, you know, especially against a team like, you know, if you want to talk some X's and O's, especially against a team that likes to throw the ball. Mm. And we know that Mullen likes to throw the ball. Mm. And, you know, if, if he's willing to go at the secondary, I think UF could pay the price. Mm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I, I would say five and five is, is not a, um, a crazy expectation at mm. all. Um, but I think, you know, more so the the, the biggest storyline this year is can they just get through ten yeah. games? You know, and I I think that's going to be the that's going to be the number one storyline this year, man. It's, yeah, uh, and I definitely don't want to bring you on without talking about that. I know I've waited till the end of the show, but uh, I think we've had some very interesting developments in the last couple of days for sure. 
Um, again, like I said, Big 12 postponing a couple of games. And I, I think one of the most interesting pieces of news I saw, and I'm sure you saw this, um, I think it was Lincoln Riley saying they're not going to release yeah. COVID testing numbers because of basically gamesmanship, like a, a competitive advantage similar to an injury report. And I, and I have to imagine because, I mean, we all know you, you deal with it directly. I mean, you sit in these pressers and stuff. These coaches are very anal. They're very private. They don't want to share any – they wouldn't even do press conferences if they didn't have to. They don't want to tell anybody anything. They're in their own little football bubble. Yes. I feel like this is going to be a thing that you're going to see across the country that, like, these teams are – we're not going to know probably till game day or maybe the day before if so-and-so is out with COVID or the starting quarterback or, like, seven members of the team, like – it's just going to make this season so wacky from, I'd say, a gambling perspective for sure. I mean, I know I got buddies that gamble on college, you know, sports, and man, it's going to make just wild from a gambling perspective, but on the field perspective, results. Um, I will say this because I had I talked last week the Saturday Down South guys they cover SEC football, and I think everybody can agree the SEC's done a pretty good job as far as handling this. I mean, when you compare to, I think the Big Ten and Pac twelve. I think they were they're a bit silly. They look up they they're gonna look terrible if we get through this season. Let me just put it that way. It's yeah. not gonna be perfect. Guys are gonna get it, but if we get through this season, they're gonna just they're gonna look they're gonna have egg on their face. But with that being said, I mean, like you said, I think this is gonna be one of the wackiest, probably the wackiest season we've ever seen with and especially like I said, that Lincoln Riley news coming out, just keeping <laughs> keeping it a secret, keeping it in house is just that is wild to me. You know, treating it like an injury is absurd because number one, yeah. it's not an injury. Yeah. Uh, number two, it's a goddamn pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you, when you have doctors that come out and say, no, releasing this data is actually good because then we can figure out more about this virus, mm. how it's, you know, transmissible, uh, who has it, who doesn't have it. When you have professionals, doctors coming out and saying, this is what you should do, that's what they should yeah, do. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, my best friend's a doctor and, you know, sometimes he thinks he's God because, you know, <laughs> he's got that complex and right. it's tough to listen to medical advice, you know, no matter who it's from, right, because right. we all feel like, you know, we, you know, we went to medical school for 10 years, uh, especially, especially now. Chris, especially now, like everyone thinks that they're a doctor now. Um, Web, WebMD, man. <laughs> yeah, WebMD. Exactly. WebMD. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's absurd. I, I think that um, universities should be required to release this data. And, you know, they claim that it's a HIPAA violation. It's not a HIPAA violation at all. You know, they're not, they're not specifically saying who and who does not right. have a virus. <clears throat> that would be a HIPAA violation. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's absurd. And, um, you know, for that reason, I, I hope that, you know, Oklahoma loses uh, three or four games this year. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I, I guess I got a very interesting question for you because what, like, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I, I and mean, this is not a political statement. I'm not a political guy sure. at all. But I think everyone, when it comes to this conversation, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm at least willing to admit, I think everybody somewhat has an agenda in this. Like, I want to see football played. I, I'm, it's not a secret. Like, yeah. especially for people like us in this – we want to see football played. I, I mean, I'm, I want it to be as safe as possible. But if it's possible, I want to see it played. Like, 
you see a, a good friend of ours, I'm sure, Eric Kimry on social media. Yeah. Eric's a great dude. He cares about the safety and health of people. But he's a football coach. He wants to see football play. So, like, everybody's on one side or the other. But I'm just curious to what you think, because I, I was having this conversation the other day. I just wonder what will it take, because I think the SEC, man, is dead set on playing. Like, I think it would take something outrageous. They're, they're going to pull this through. Yeah. I, I just wonder what it would take for the SEC to be like, you know what? We, we thought we could do it. We can't. And like I said, I'm praying and have, you know, hoping that doesn't happen. But it's just an interesting conversation to have. That Like, I just wonder what it would take for that to happen. Because like I said, man, I, I think at this point, I think it's full steam ahead for the, for the SEC. They're, and which is what I thought would happen the entire offseason. As, as I thought, I did not think at least the SEC would throw in the towel. They are going to go down with a fight. They're going to go down with a fight. If it crashes and crashes and burns four weeks into the season, so be it. But they are not going to lay down and do what the Big Ten did. There's no chance. No, no. And, and you know, the, the funny thing about the Big Ten and the Pac-12, you know, they all thought that the other three Power Five conferences would follow – and then they didn't, so they look ridiculous. And the greatest part about that is, <laughs> just coming from an SEC guy, <laughs> there is now a pecking order mm-hmm. established, right? And the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are not at the top. And we all knew that, but mm-hmm. like now it's established because the other three conferences said, no, we're not following your lead. I, I do think that what it might come down to is – individual schools making these decisions Mm -hmm. right and when you have you know presidents who you know most of them let's be real you know they're they're academics Mm -hmm. right like they have spent their entire careers in academia uh a lot of them didn't play sports um i think when you have those people making the decisions, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this season they called it off, if things got really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that they're going to try to bulldoze through as much as they can. But, you know, the, the bigger question I think for me is, you know, what happens when, you know, let's just say USC, for instance, USC goes online only, right? Which that I think that's definitely coming. Yeah. Right. So if the (laughs) cases continue to go up, right. Okay. They go online only. So are they willing to admit that sports is more important Mm. and they can keep playing football. They can keep playing, you know, soccer, whatever it is on campus and you know, Oh, it's not safe to have students on campus, but it's okay to play a football game. And that, I'm serious, Chris, that is really where the conversation is going to get really heated. Because if it's not safe to be on campus, you can't really tell me that it's safe to, to play games on campus, right? I mean, well, I, I think it's going to get heated because people want to pretend like these, these guys are, are normal students, and it's like they're not. And that's the conversation I had with the guys last week. I mean, it's, you know, the NCAA, we have to stop you know, however you feel about players should be paid, whatever, but you have to stop pretending like they're normal students. They're not, they're, they're not, they're not. No, no. And, and they're not, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're athlete students, right? Yes. I mean, yes. that's really what it comes down to. Yes. Um, you know, but I could definitely see a scenario where, you know, you have, uh, you have outbreaks on campuses and all of a sudden uh, the presidents, the chancellors, what have you, they say it's not safe to play. Uh, it's not safe to have students on campus. It's not safe to play. 
And then I think once you have a couple of schools pull out, you know, then it becomes a really big problem, you know, logistically, obviously for the SEC to figure out. And I think that's probably where they pull the plug. But, you know, I think you're right, Chris. The SEC has done a really good job, I think, of, you know, setting this up. Uh, they were really smart to delay the season by three weeks. Um, you know, I mean, and they look really smart now. I mean, look at what the Big 12 is doing. Um, you know, so they, I think they, they had a good plan in place. Uh, but now I do think that it's going to come down to just the individual universities mm. and how that, how that goes, um, you know, how, if, if they can manage an outbreak or not. Mm. Uh, and that will be the number one factor, I think, in whether we have a full football season or not. Well, and, and I will say too, that I, I, I do still believe that, you know, even what we saw at Tennessee and whatever, I, I do still believe these players are in the best possible position to remain healthy, being with their teams and in their facilities. Yeah. I, I thought Scott Frost of, of Nebraska and the Big Ten said it best a few weeks ago, or really when the Big Ten decided to shut everything down. I mean, he said, he said, you know, if our goal is for no student athletes, for zero student athletes to get coronavirus, we're going to fail either way, whether we have football or we don't. So let's have them in the facility. They're getting, t- I mean, the, the people, you know, I know people love to play the victim card with these players. Like, oh my gosh, they're getting exploited for their likeness and they don't get this and they don't get that. And I, I hear you, but you've been in the ops building, man. And like all the resources they have and they're getting tested all the time. Like, there's nobody, you know, they have the best chance not to get it of any normal human being. So, you know, I definitely do believe that, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get through a season where zero people are, you know, well, Muschamp's updated. I mean, people are, you know, South Carolina's got a few cases. I mean, it's not a ton. It's yeah. very manageable, but it's just not realistic to think that, you know, you're going to have zero throughout the entire year because you can't realistically put these guys in a true bubble. They're college students. They go to the dorm. I mean, they're at the facility lot, but they're around Columbia. But I do believe they're in the best possible position to remain healthy and be healthy. And they have everything they need at that facility. I think they're in a good spot, to be honest. Yeah, and I I think that they have, uh, you know, the means to test. And I think that's very important. Um, The problem is is that, you know, college campuses are Petri dishes, right? And, you know, and that's that's the thing that's very scary for me. Uh, And that's what makes college football and college athletics different than everything else. Um, because you, know, you can't put them in a bubble. Uh, certainly you can test and you can do contact tracing, but that doesn't mean that they can't get the virus. Right, um, right. You know what I mean? And, and, and so that is, I, I think, going to be the number one factor in whether we have a football season or not, whether these universities can contain outbreaks. Uh, and, you know, again, there, it's unreasonable to think that they're, you know, we're going to get through a season with just, you know, five cases. For instance. Right, right, right. That's not going to happen. Um, but I also don't think it's unreasonable to expect an outbreak. Um, you know, I mean, we, we see how quickly these things, you know, this, this virus uh, moves and is spread. And, you know, that, it wouldn't shock me if one or two teams in the SEC, you know, had to shut things down because either they just don't have enough players uh, or they don't feel like it's safe to play. Um, and, 
you know, that's why I would not want to be in sports gambling. Right now. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. I mean, there's just no way to, to predict this yeah, at all. Yeah. You, you put, you place a wager and like you said, two days for the game, starting quarterback, starting receiver, <laughs> like, you know, third of the offense is out. It's like, well, that doesn't look very good anymore. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I've said this now for, for months now, the teams with the best leadership, I think will win games this year. Um, you know, more so than any other year. Obviously, that is incredibly important, especially in the game of football. But now, when you're talking about just this year being a war of attrition, it yeah. really is uh, going to come down to the leadership and the older guys just making yeah. sure that these young dudes don't go out all the time, you know, that they're being smart. And, you know, that's a, that's a constant battle too, man. Like, I, you know, I asked Mark Kingston this the other day, like, how do you – you know, how do you balance it? You know, like, how do you balance, you know, being a coach of 19 year old kids, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and like and making sure that they are also really smart. And, you know, he said, you know, all you can do is just make sure that you overemphasize the fact that there is a pandemic out there and, you know, this virus uh, is serious and, you know, that's all you can do. You know, it's out of your hands. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the leadership really does step up this year because, um, you know, if, if not, then I could definitely see a, an outbreak. Um, you know, we've already seen it on campus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's, it's there. It's going around. And uh, I think these players have to make sure that they, they steer clear of shit like we saw the other day, you know, where you had – what what at that bar? I can't remember that. Uh, what was it called? The cockaboos. Oh, TLC. Yeah, the loose cockaboos. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. The loose cockaboos. Uh, insane. It was insane. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't do it. You, just can't. you know you know what? Kind of a side note, and I don't know if anybody knows. You know what's funny? I've been invited to go there before that video dropped, and now <laughs> I saw that, and I'm like, man, I'm really glad I didn't go. Because <laughs> even even how no matter how you feel, I was like, you know what? This would not be a good look if you're like, oh, my God, look at this video. Oh, there's the Spurs Up show in the middle of the crowd. Not good. What a responsible guy. Not, not good. I was like, yeah. yeah, let me not do that. <laughs> Sponsored by Corona. Yeah, yeah, seriously, seriously. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I do. I will say, though, I do agree with you because a lot of fans ask me, like, you know, the Tennessee game, hey, is this going to help South Carolina win the game? And it's like a weird question because I'm like, well, I'm not pulling for Tennessee to have guys out with a sickness. Like, I, I'm not right. – but you are right. It's it's That's going to be a factor in, in week to week. Do you have the right guys in place, the leadership? Yes. It's going to be a factor. It is. Whether you like it or not, it is going to be a factor. Mike Gillespie, ABC Columbia. Mike, appreciate you taking the time, man. Before I let you go, it's been a phenomenal conversation, obviously. I'm glad we are able to do this. Again, you are the sports director at ABC Columbia. Just let everybody know where they can consume – your content via social media, where they can watch you, what times, like what everything you guys do with ABC Columbia that maybe people aren't familiar, just kind of give them the rundown of where they can consume your stuff. Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter, Mike ABC Columbia, super simple. Um, and uh, Cam Gaskins is our weekend guy. He is wonderful. Mm. Um, he is the, I call him the better half of the sports department. He is great. <laughs> Uh, I'm on you know, Facebook, Instagram too. Uh, mm -hmm. you just look up Mike Gillespie, I'm sure. Uh, I'm verified on Instagram and I have 750 followers. Uh, and people oh, ask boy. me, how did that happen? And I say, I have a good agent. <laughs> I know because I asked you. <laughs> yes. Yes, I asked you. 
<laughs> like, what do I have to do? <laughs> uh, which I'm are you? You're not verified yet, are you? Mm -mm. No, <laughs> not on not on anything. No. And there's and I have parody accounts, and I'm still not verified. Oh, that's that's. Yeah. Uh, are you still blocked by Gamecock football? By I now? am. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a story behind. It's it's not for the reason people think. Um, happened last. I guess we can talk about it now. I mean, I haven't talked about it on the show before, but basically, long story short, um, people don't like to acknowledge this, but from doing what I do, I I know people. I've gotten to know people, and if you sure. want to call them sources, you want to call them whatever, but. This was last summer, last June, around the time that Jordan Birch was being heavily recruited, obviously. And, you know, his recruitment was like the biggest secret in all of college football. We heard nothing. Nobody knew anything. But – and this is kind of funny how this played out because it was on his Snapchat. But I was told, hey, Jordan Birch is on campus today. He is in the ops building, just to let you know. And I was actually – and I'm not – obviously, I'm not going to say who it was, but – I don't know if this guy's still with USC football or whatever, but he sent me a picture of Jordan Birch on the training table in the ops building. So that, that, I, obviously I did not post the picture. I was like, I would never do that. Sure, sure. But I basically put out a tweet saying, hey, you know, the number one prospect in the country is on campus with like the eye emoji. You know, everybody loves to tease it and everything. But I talked to some, you know, and I toured the ops building. And when I toured it, and I won't say who toured me, but it was a guy that I still know to this day. And he asked me, you know, am I touring you as media or am I touring you as a fan? And I was thinking to myself, well, I mean, I'm not credentialed by USC. I just, I just want to see it. I'm a, I'm a fan. Like, let me just see it. So, of course, I'm, I'm an idiot, and I make the mistake before I go in of taking a picture of the stadium and being like, oh, look where I'm at type thing. We get about 90% of the way through the tour, and George Wynn calls my guy that toured me and basically is like, hey, that guy's media. He has a website. And that's kind of the funny thing and the ironic thing is people love to shit on me that I'm not media. It's like, well, George Wynn apparently thinks so. Anyways. That's another conversation. So he's like, okay. He's like, apparently you're media. We have some recruits on campus today. Got to get you out of here, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's about three, four days later, and that's when I get blocked by Gamecock football. And I had a buddy of mine at the time that was on the creative media team. He basically told me, he's like, yeah, dude, like they did it because they felt like you were getting so much information. They wanted to stop that from happening. And they just felt like, I don't know what they felt like. I don't know why they thought that would make any difference, but they did. So that's kind of the story behind it, man. That's really how it happened. It's not. It, this was before the whole Muschamp thing. This was months before I said anything about Will Muschamp. So, yeah, that's that's honestly the first time I've actually told that story on air, or just in general. So it, it's just another interesting tidbit in the saga that is the Spurs. I'm sure. I, I have one for you. Uh, uh, last year was it? Last year it was. It was December. Do uh, you remember the whole Ryan Holinsky fiasco? With what what part? Is injuries or? Injury. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, so yeah. I reported that he had a torn ACL. Right. Remember this? Yeah, I, I think I do, actually, yeah. Okay, so I took heat from. I do, you know what? I do vividly remember this now. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Like, even in the media. Well, I mean, people, people in the media were pissed that I had the information. Like, oh, right, right, right. Like, they, you know, we're all going up against each other for info. Um, well. I got that news because someone had told me that he was going to have surgery on his elbow. And so I texted Holinsky and I said, Hey man, which by the way, Ryan Holinsky and I knew each other a little bit before mm -hmm. he came to USC. So, you know, right. I, I considered it. Okay. And he was like, yeah, man, uh, I just got a scope on my knee. Uh, and, uh, I, 
the, the doctor said, I've, I've got a torn meniscus and torn ACL. Hmm. Yes. So, <laughs> Straight from I, the horse's I, mouth. It, it <laughs> seems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I joke with people to this day, and I've, ne- I've never said this publicly, uh, that that's how I got the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if anyone you know still thinks that I'm a terrible journalist, that's how I got the info. And I joke to this day, literally, like it couldn't have been like you know a, a better source. Like there was no yeah, source yeah. that was that was better. You know, other than maybe Ryan Holinsky's knee developing a mouth and and telling me how it was feeling. You know, like right. I, and so. I, I say that because it is very, very easy, especially, you know, in the media to, to, uh, to ruffle feathers, you know, and you just, uh, you just gotta bulldoze through man, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see it all that I'm sure everybody else sees it too, but I mean, I see it all a lot of times. It's not what is being said, but it's the fact people don't like who is saying it. Yeah. Like you said that that person has that info and they don't, I mean, yeah. why? Cause I, you know, again, we're getting off track, but I, I just say, you know, I think back to before I was doing what I'm doing and I was just a fan on Twitter because I've always been very active on social media. Like, I like it. I like social media. But I don't know, man. I think back to when I was a fan. I just think back, like, there was nobody I didn't like. I, I didn't care where the info came from as long as it was right. Like, I really didn't. And, like, it's been wild to me to see the evolution of – I mean, there are people on social media that really don't like people in, in the media or whatever you want to call them in content, create whatever. Cause I mean, I, I really, I mean, I have, it's so funny. I tell people, I'm like, dude, I have a t-shirt that has media in quotation marks and insider in quote. I, I, I make light of it. I, I don't think of myself as, I, I think of myself as a South Carolina content creator, honestly, but either way, it's just wild to me to see like that there are people that really don't like other media. It's just why, like who cares if the info's correct, who gives a damn? Like really at the end of the day, I mean, why does it matter? I don't know. It's just the interesting world that is Twitter. Cause you don't get that on any other app. That's for, that's yeah. for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know what? I just got a, a, a nice um, <clears throat> letter from a fan. Let's put fan in quotation marks. Uh, yesterday I got an email uh, I, I call it a letter because it was like 13 paragraphs long telling me how much I suck at my job and I'm the worst sports director in the history of uh, Columbia or the history, hopefully the history of television. I didn't know whether or not to cry or frame this thing because I'd it probably was, frame it. I'd probably frame it to be honest. It was, it was so eloquent that I really did for a split second feel like the worst human being ever but uh you know just that's the i mean me, you know yeah. being in the media that's that's what we take you yeah know? when you're when you're in the public eye it's just what you deal with and i say uh, man if, if people aren't talking shit you're not doing anything worth that's uh, true that's you know, true anything worth anything so right right yeah whatever mike gillespie abc columbia it's been a pleasure man let's definitely do it again soon man obviously it's going to be, be a very interesting season i know we all have our fingers crossed but uh this was fun, man. We'd love to have you back on sometime. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for, for having me. And I, I do want to say one more thing. I think you do a great job. Uh, you were kind I of a trailblazer, I, I think, in, in sort of using all types of media. And uh, you were you were before before it's time. So uh, nice work. Keep I appreciate going. that, Mike. No, I, that means a lot coming from somebody, you know, local influential media guy like yourself. So I appreciate that. But 
He's Mike Gillespie, ABC Columbia. Go check it out. I'm Chris Phillips, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.